you know, this whole series that we've been in these first few weeks. Um, we've been talking about the realities of revival and talking about the realities of what happens when God's spirit is moving. And, uh, you know, this is like a week where you see like, man, like God needs to move, you know, and uh, we need God's people to, to also move and God's people to live out their faith in a way that shows the reality and the truth of who Jesus is. And Shaq's going to talk about boldness today and everything. But um, I just wanted to pray for our city, you know, and pray for um, all the churches in the area. Um, pray that there would just be this new sense of revival in the spirit of those who utter the words, I follow Jesus, so that um, there can be a real difference in our city rather than just paying lip service to it. Amen. Let's pray. God, we, um, you know, we just sang incredibly powerful words from how great you are to the reality of the story of the King of Kings. Um, that when this gospel moves, this message of the reality, the truth of who Jesus is, that um, your power of your spirit goes forth and cities change, hearts change. Um, there, there become answers to, to situations that the world around us says there's no answer to. Um, but so often, God, we sit here and talk about, well, hearts need to change, hearts need to change, hearts need to change, and we get all that. But, but man, God, you've placed before us an incredible responsibility to um, not just say we believe in you, but actually live our lives as if it's true. And so, God, I pray that... Um, we're not, we're not in this series about revival by accident. And so, God, I pray that um, over our community here that there will be a boldness, that there will be a courage, that there would be a deep conviction to live out what we say we believe. Um, God, I pray for just anyone who says that they are a follower of you in this city. Um, in all the churches across this area, God, that there would be a fresh wave of your spirit that um, leaves us in awe, um, that creates this deep conviction of how we're supposed to live our lives, that um, there will be this incredible boldness to live out our faith, again, not just with words, but with this deep, um, active faith to want to make a difference because the truth of what this gospel message is of freedom and fullness and of life, God, that, um, that it comes forth in a powerful way. And we pray for all the students, God, that have been so deeply impacted by all of this, for the families that um, have been, uh, are suffering and um, are going to such tragedy, for um, all the students, all the elementary, middle, and high school students, God, that have, are growing up with shootings being normal and violence being normal like this um, this is not the way it's supposed to be um, it's such clear evidence of just a broken system a broken world and the realities of sin and evil and suffering and so god i pray that um, you will be a source of strength and of hope to the people so deeply impacted by this god that you would begin to open the eyes of students to um, see a deeper truth and a light of, of what life is supposed to be. And God, that you would, um, and that those that say they believe 
would actually make a difference and want to make a difference. Um, not just by a vote, but by an action, by life, by generosity, um, by the way we work, by the way we interact, by the way we serve, by the way we love, by the way we talk. Uh, God, and we do this all in your name because your name is the King of Kings, because your name is the hope of the world, because your name is what can actually make a difference. And with this to you, in your name we pray. Everyone said, Amen. We guys welcome Shaq as he comes. Well, good morning, family. You know, as Wags was up here praying, I couldn't help but to think about how important revival is to us as believers. And it's not, uh, revival isn't just this thing that we say happen because everybody's gathering and worshiping. It's not really just about a service, but revival is a response to some of the things that are happening in our world. Um, and as we saw this week, and Wags just talked about it, and as we've been seeing over the last couple of years, there's been so many things that have been happening in our world. It's just, some of it is just evil. And I believe that even though something's happening in the world, even though something's happening within our culture, even though something's happening uh, within the government and all these other facets of life, I believe that if we by faith really connect with one another in believing that even though something's happening out there, we believe that something's, something greater is happening in here. That something greater is happening on the inside of you that you cannot contain and that you shouldn't contain. And so today we're gonna be talking about what it means to be bold. We're gonna be talking about boldness. And so we've been in this series called Something's Happening and pretty much what we've been doing is we've been talking about our response or uh, how we react to when God is moving. And I believe that something is happening. I believe that God is doing something special. I believe that God is doing something unique. I believe that God is doing something profound. I really believe that. And I believe that he's doing it not just uh, to the oldest of these, but he's doing it through the youngest of these. And so from young to old, I believe that revival is literally going to and is happening right now. And so I'm going to talk about what it means to be bold. And as we've been in this series, as we've been talking about the move of the Spirit, we've, we started uh, with the book of Acts. And we're going to continue in the book of Acts. But we kind of pinpointed some of these historic revivals, some of these moments in history where God moved and a movement was literally started. And I want to talk to you about this man named William Seymour. See, I grew up Pentecostal. Anybody grew up Pentecostal? Raise your hand if you grew up Pentecostal. Okay, shout out to the Pentecostals in the house. Okay, shout out to y'all. Pentecostal gang, I see you. <laughs> um, but, but this movement was started uh, by this man named William Seymour, who started the Azusa Street Revival. And, and, and if you want to look it up, you can go into it. This, it's a big revival heard around the world. Um, but the, the, the part that I really want to point out today is that this man, William Seymour, who came from a really small town in Louisiana, but moved all the way to Los Angeles, California, to kind of start and usher in this revival through the movement of the Holy Spirit. He started out with this mentor. There was this mentor, his name was Mr. Parham. And this guy, Mr. Parham, who was who, he kind of got his theology from. He kind of got his teachings from him, and he wanted to carry out those teachings into all these different parts of California and he wanted to start a revival. And so what happened was he started preaching and he started teaching and he, and he began ministering and loving on people. 
And this guy, Mr. Parham, didn't agree that he should have these meetings with black and white people together. And so, and so what William Seymour did was he was bold enough to say, I understand that this is what you want to do, but this is not what I believe God wants us to do. And so William Seymour, he continued this movement together in unity between white people and black people and all different types of people to usher in this big revival called the Azusa Street Revival. And to me, that was bold. Especially in the late 1800s, it was extremely bold. And so I'm going to kind of tie in this story in addition to uh, what happened in the book of Acts with Peter and John. And so um, I'm going to read you a scripture here. And the scripture is Acts chapter 4. And I, I want to I kind of break down this story to you before I read it. So Peter and John, they were getting ready to go to this prayer meeting. They were getting ready to go to the temple to go to this prayer meeting, um, and they saw this lame man who was begging for money, and pretty much this lame man pretty much stopped them and said, hey, can I have some money? I need some money. And Peter and John did something that I thought was pretty bold. What they did was they said, you want money? Look at us. Silver and gold we don't have for you. Money is not what we had. Now imagine, imagine you walking in the street and somebody stop you and say, I need some money. And you look right back at them and tell them, I'm broke. <laughs> you pretty much look back at them and say, I ain't got it. And what they did was so bold, they said, we don't have silver and gold for you, but here's what we do have. What we have is the name of Jesus. And then what happened was they performed this healing miracle on this man and, and he got up and he walked. And so uh, the council in this time, they didn't like it. They didn't think it was cool. They thought that this was bad. They thought it was blasphemous. And so they gathered. They tried to see what they could do to get Peter and John thrown in prison. And here's what they said. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. For they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. I want you to understand something. You might be saying right now, Shaq, I know there's a lot going on in our world. And I know that we're in a pretty dark time. And I know that we're called to be the light of the world. We're called to reach people. We're called to love on people. We're called to minister to people. But Shaq, look at me. I'm ordinary. I ain't got no talents. I don't have much to me. I don't think I'm special. As a matter of fact, Shaq, I'm, 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 I'm very flawed. I'm imperfect as they come. I've got a lot going on in my life right now. My kids are acting up. This is going on. That's going on. I'm in a financial rubber. As a matter of fact, I don't even know what I want to do with my life. Shaq, I'm, I'm, I'm ordinary. You want me to be bold? You want me to reach people? You want me to go out and touch people in the name of Jesus? I'm, I'm pretty ordinary. Here's what I have for you today. Ordinary and imperfect is exactly what God is looking for. 
Ordinary and imperfect is exactly what God is looking for. You see, the boldness that Peter and John walked in was because they recognized that it was not their own self-confidence that got this miracle performed. But rather, it was their humility and their awareness to understand that this is all Jesus. And so, and so I want to encourage you real quick before I continue my sermon and let you know that as we're encouraging you to be bold and to walk in this, this movement and to walk in what God is doing, I want you to know that God wants to use you right where you are. God wants to use you in your imperfections. He wants to use you in your belief of you being this ordinary person. I'm telling you that God loves ordinary people. God loves imperfect people. And so my first point to you is spirit-led boldness, spirit-led boldness, is a result of awareness and humility. You see, when we talk about boldness, a lot of times we think that it's this, it's this major confidence in our own abilities. It's this major confidence in our own talents and, 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 and how we believe in ourselves and how we believe in our perspective and how we believe in our own strength. But this, this holy boldness is not about what you think you can do. This holy boldness is not about your own gifts. It's not about your own talents. One of my favorite scriptures in the Bible is when the Bible says, it is not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit of God. Which means that what God is calling you to do, watch this, I want you to hear this, what God is calling you to do is so powerful, he values it so much that he wants you to understand that you can't do it without him. As a matter of fact, the, the, these, the council, they said, we can recognize that these men have been with Jesus. Why? Because there was a humility that stood out. There was this view of how ordinary and how regular and how simple these men were that they understood that it must have been something that was so much bigger than them. The reason God is calling you right where you are is because he wants you to understand that what he's calling you to do is so much bigger than you. What he's calling you to do is not about you. What he's calling me to do is not about me. What he's calling us to do collectively is not about us, but rather it's about the souls and it's about his glory. And I believe that this something that's happening, it's not gonna be about what's trendy. It's not gonna be about what's cool. It's not gonna be about what's popular. But there's going to be such a humility that is shown that people will say, man, they must have been with Jesus. I, I want my life, I want to live in such a low space, in such a humble space, that people can see that, man, this is not Shaq. This is because he's too ordinary. He's... He's, he, he doesn't have enough power. He doesn't have enough love. He doesn't have enough grace. I want people to, to see God's light in me 
so much so that they understand that it's God. So, so what I want you to do is, real quick, real quick, I want you to stop being so hard on yourself. Just for a moment. I want you to stop being so hard on yourself because there are some of you right here in this room, you have allowed dreams to die. You have allowed things that God spoke to you about. You have allowed things that you once believed in when it comes to loving on people and reaching people. And so there might be some of you right now, you might have been in church for 30 years, 20 years, 15 years, and you might just be going through the motions. And I want to encourage you and let you know that you cannot do it on your own. This boldness that God is calling you towards, the baby just said amen. <laughs> I'll take one today. I'll take, I'll take one. <laughs> that was very bold, baby. That was very bold. Shaq, I'm ordinary. Shaq, I'm imperfect. Shaq, you don't know the flaws. Shaq, you don't know what I've done. And I'm here to tell you right now that if you would just trust God, that if you would just lean on the fact that it is not by your own strength that we do what he's called us to do, that we operate on this, in this revival, but it is by his power. See, we can recognize that something is happening. We can definitely sense it. And for some of us, man, we can see it. But I want you to understand that even though we can recognize it, even though we can become aware of what's happening, it doesn't mean that we make it happen. Yeah, something is happening, but it is our responsibility to yield to it, not to make it happen. And so boldness is not about stepping out on your own. Boldness is saying, God, you are doing something I can't do and I'm going to yield to what you are doing. Amen? There we go. <laughs> and so I want to I touch the two tiers of boldness. I want to touch the two tiers of boldness. But before I do that, I want us to close our eyes for a second. I want us to close our eyes for a second. Because for some of us that are listening to this, before I go to this next part, what I just said kind of hit home for you and you were like, you know what? I do kind of feel inadequate right now in this season of my life, in this moment of my life. Or for some of you, you might have always felt that way. For some of you, that might be a new feeling. But I want you in your heart for a second, in your heart for a second, to receive this prayer that I'm about to pray over you. God, I thank you that even though I feel inadequate, even though I don't feel worthy, even though I don't feel enough, I thank you that you see me enough. I thank you that to you, in my ordinariness, I am enough.
I'm enough to do this. I'm enough to walk this. I'm enough to say this. I'm enough because you called me enough. I walk away from the lie that says my story, my flaws, my imperfections disqualify me. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to go into the two tiers of boldness. The first tier, there's a faith to believe God for the impossible. And then there's a boldness to share what God has done. Now, before I break this down, I'm, 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 I want you to know that even though we live in a pretty skeptical time where everybody is skeptical of everything, I want you to know that God can still do the impossible. God can still work miracles. God can still do what he says he can do. And that's something, if we're going to respond to what's happening, that's something that we have to tap into. We have to tap into this belief that God can still do the impossible. And so there's this story that kind of reminds me of the, of the story that we read earlier um, with the lame man. There's this story of this man who had been paralyzed. And it's in uh, Mark chapter 2. And we're going to read it. And this story is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. The reason this story is one of my favorite stories in the Bible because it, it exemplifies what it means to be bold. Like it exemplifies it. And so it says this. So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. Now, I kind of want to break down this story for you because this story, I'm telling y'all, it's one of my favorites. If, if they could make it a movie, I would, I'd pay to see it. I promise you. Because there's this man who had been paralyzed, and, and these guys, they kind of took him, and they brought him to see Jesus. But, but the story becomes so significant when they take him to see Jesus, they recognize that the house is packed. Like, it's jam-packed. You can't get in. Like, it's a sold-out concert to see Jesus. Like, it is packed, right? And so, and so they realize that they can't get in because of how packed it is. And so these guys, these men who are holding what I believe is their friend, they take him to the roof. Like, they take him to the roof, y'all. Yeah, that ain't funny. Like, they take him to the roof. Like, you got to love me to see me in a bad condition, to see the house packed, and say, I'm going to take this big old 230-pound dude <laughs> all the way to a roof. So they take him to the roof, and here's what happens. They literally remove the roof, like they cut it up, they damage it, and they drop this man in to get his miracle. What's so significant about that story is because there's, there's a twofold boldness. There's a twofold boldness. It takes faith and boldness for this man to trust these guys to take them, take him to Jesus. Here's what I want you to understand, that at some point in your life, you are going to have to be bold enough to get in community. 
At some point in your life, you're going to have to be bold enough. You're going to have to trust God enough to allow somebody to carry you. Because there's going to come a point where you are going to question God. I've been there. Anybody ever been there? There's going to come a point where you're going to feel doubt. There's going to come a point where life is going to get crazy and you are going to need some people to carry you. Now, if you have some people in your life right now that you know would definitely carry you, that you know would pray for you, that you know would speak life into you, I want you today to write them a thank you letter. Because, I'm going to be honest, it's a little hard out here to find people that are selfless enough to carry. But this man had a boldness, he had a faith, and he might not have known what he, where he was going. He might not have known who this Jesus guy was. He might not have known about the stories and the miracles of the signs and the wonders. But one thing he did was he trusted his friends. He had a boldness, he had a faith to trust the community that was around him. And so if this is your first time here, if you've never been here, maybe this is your first time in church, man, I just would encourage you to try it again and again and again and again until you can find a community because I'm telling you, if you look around this building, there are some people that will be willing to carry you. In your toughest moments, when you look around this building, I can see people right now from where I am and I can see stories, I can see testimonies and I can't see those testimonies without those people. Can't see those stories without those people that they had to carry them. And so it takes a boldness to trust and to dive into community. But I want to encourage you to try it. And then there's a boldness that these men have to activate to say, listen, we know what this Jesus guy can do, and we're going to get you there no matter what. As a matter of fact, these guys were so desperate for their friend. <laughs> they weren't thinking about their own situation. They probably got problems of their own. They probably have situations of their own, but they put their situations to the side and they said, you know what, my friend, I'm going to be bold for you. Here's what I love about the scripture is that in, in, in one of the verses, it says, Jesus seeing their faith. Jesus recognized this man's condition because of the faith of his friends. And here's what I want you to understand, here's what I want you to grasp today, is that there is a boldness that we as a church have to tap into, we as believers have to tap into that will allow us to carry hurting people. Wags just talked about it a minute ago, a minute ago about the shooting at a graduation and, and so many other stuff going on in our world, so many injustices going on in our world, so many heartbreaking situations going on in our world. And I wonder, I wonder what the world would look like if we as a people would put what we have going on to the side to carry another person. I wonder what, what life would look like. I wonder what our, our next generation would learn. I wonder how our communities would change if we learned to carry one another.
If we learned to carry the poor, if we learned to carry people that are going through. Man, even as I think about this graduation, man, it's been on my heart all week. All week. Because I grew up just like those kids. Man, if somebody, if a couple of people, there was, this, there was this man in my life, his name was Matthew, and he was my youth pastor, and he meant a lot to me, still means a lot to me. We're still close friends to this day. And if he wasn't bold enough to carry me, I, wouldn't, I don't know where I would be today. If my grandmother wasn't bold enough to carry me in prayer, I don't know where I would be today. If there weren't certain people within my church, in my community, in my school that didn't carry me, I don't know where I would be today. And so as we talk about these heartbreaking situations, I wonder how many of us have gotten so caught up in our own stuff. I wonder how many, I'm guilty of it too. I wonder how many of us have gotten so caught up in our own issues, in our own struggles, in our own day-to-day life, in our own finances, in our own jobs, in our own careers, that we've missed moments to carry others. This is what boldness looks like. I mean, yeah, it takes boldness for me to get up on this stage and speak to you, but man, it takes boldness. It takes even greater boldness for you to carry somebody in community. Here's what I love that Jesus says. Jesus says, man, take up your mat and go home. These guys interrupted the whole thing. They interrupted the whole show. Jesus looks at them. He says, your sins are forgiven. Take up your mat and go home. What's so significant about that to me is that this mat, this bed, some translations call it, that this man had been laying on for so long, I can only imagine how much he despised it. can only imagine how much he hated it. I can only imagine how much he just didn't want to have anything to do with it, and yet Jesus tells him to pick it up. Yet Jesus tells him to pick it up. I want you to notice the significance Because for some of us, we've said for a very long time, man, I just, I really just can't stand my situation. I really just can't stand maybe the identity that my past has given to me. And then Jesus tells this man to pick up the very thing that's had control over him for so long. He tells him to pick up the very thing that he probably despised and hated. I want you to notice how Jesus so eloquently allows this man to see that he has control over what had control over him. I want you to see how Jesus so profoundly gets this man to see that the very thing that named you, you now have power over it. 
And then he tells him to go home. The Bible says everybody that was looking at him was amazed. They were stunned. They could not believe it. They tell him to go home. And I can imagine as this man is going home, there's the dude on the corner who's been hating on him for so long. The dudes that's been teasing him or the people that have been praying for him. This man goes home with his testimony in his hands. With his entire story in his hands. Here's what I want you to understand. Is that your story has power. I want you to, I want to encourage you to be bold enough to be courageous enough to share your story. But Shaq, listen, if I share my story, I'm going to get triggered again. <laughs> Y'all can laugh. Y'all can laugh. It's real. It's real. Shaq, if I, if I share, I despise my story. I, I, don't, I, I hate my story. As a matter of fact, there might be some of you that say, Shaq, my story is pretty ordinary. Can I tell you something? If Jesus is a part of your story, there's nothing ordinary about it. There is nothing ordinary about a story that Jesus ran up in. There is nothing ordinary about a story that Jesus, man, saved you from. Because for some of us, the story was going one way. For some of us, the story was going one way, and Jesus literally came in and changed everything. And the reason you can't be quiet about your story is because somebody needs it. You see, I'm sure that these guys thought that they were bringing this man to be healed because he just needed to be healed. But what they also probably didn't understand was that this story was going to be more impactful than they thought it was. That his miracle and his healing might not have been just for him. That his story and his deliverance and his freedom might not have been just for him. The Bible says this. The Bible says this. He jumped up, he grabbed his mat, he walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. As the band comes up, The reason why you need to be bold about your story, it's not because of fame and fortune, not because of followers, not because of likes. Man, because a story with Jesus in it could get somebody to say, I've never seen anything like this before. You mean to tell me that your story has all this darkness in it and you're still smiling? You mean to tell me that your story has all this rejection in it and you're still serving? You mean to tell me that you're so bold that you would have gone through all of this to still love on people? You, you, you mean to tell me 
that, that this Jesus that you believe in is such a foundation, is such a strength, is such a gracious, loving God to you that through all of this, through all that you've been through, through everything that you faced, you're still hopeful? I've never seen anything like this before. I believe that this revival that is happening, I believe that this awakening that is happening, this something that is happening, whatever it is, we ain't even have to name it. But one thing I know for sure is that I'm believing that God will do impossible things and people will begin to say we've never seen anything like this before and it must be something bigger than me. It has to be something greater than me. It has to be a power that supersedes my own ability, my own strength, my own talents. Man, this, 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 these people who have gone through so much, all of these stories in this room, and yet you still lift your hands and sing the songs that we sing every Sunday? This next step of boldness that God is calling us to is to not despise our story, but rather to acknowledge that Christ has been our strength, rather to acknowledge that Christ has been our foundation, that Christ has been our peace, that Christ has been our hope. And because of that, I will be bold and I will tell of a story, of a life that is imperfect but built on Jesus. I will tell of a story of a life that is flawed but built on Jesus. So I'm going to pray. I want you to bow your heads. And before I pray, I want to encourage you this week, share your story with somebody. Whether it's at work, whether it's over coffee with a friend, maybe you might meet somebody today. Share your story. Because if your story has Jesus in it, though it may have some dark times, it's a beautiful story. Father, we thank you. We praise you, Lord. We just thank you, God, that in the midst of us feeling our insecurities, that you've called us to be bold, that you've called us to trust you, that you've called us to, to walk by faith and not by sight. Lord, I pray over every person here today, and I pray, God, that you would just give them a holy boldness that doesn't allow them to rely on their own strengths or even want anything out of it, but Lord, that allows them to do things for your glory. And I pray, God, that those that even may be in this place that may be triggered by their story, I just pray for healing. Pray for healing to take place in their hearts. And I pray that they would know that because you are the author of their story, 
that it is a beautiful one. And I pray that they would trust that. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand as we sing this last song.